Hello people, this is BC Mike and I welcome each and every one of you to the first ever episode of Basketball and Chill. This is a brand new podcast that I'm starting where, as you can tell from the name, we're going to be talking about basketball, having chill conversations about it, you know, the NBA and the occasional talk about anime, tech, whatever just, you know, comes across my mind at that certain stage of time so you know before you guys you know decide whether or not you want to continue listening to the podcast i guess i should tell you guys a bit about myself i am a 20 year old nba fan i am warriors fan and you might think oh that guy's a bandwagon well i am not a bandwagon i've been um you know harshly following the nba ever since around 2015 and you know ever since then i've just i just fell in love with the nba the game of basketball i've you know really enjoyed watching it over the last couple of seasons and i am a somewhat hardcore fan i'm definitely not a casual and yeah you know what i'm a hardcore fan um yeah like i am a fan of the nba i don't only follow the warriors i don't hate a specific team or a specific player and i just want to see the best product of the NBA each and every season so you know maybe if you want to listen to some hot takes right now to decide whether or not I am a guy worth the time um my hot take is that well this isn't even a hot take but my hot take is that shit it's a legal opportunity and you know 80% or 70% of the NBA players right now have you know the skills to actually go out there and be productive productive starters it's just that you know league is full of politics and you know there's just players out there that are better than others right you can't deny that fact but you know give like the eighth guy in the rotation the same amount of opportunity as you know your fourth option and i don't think it's going to perform significantly worse that is just my opinion Right, so with that introduction out the way, I guess we're going to talk about the NBA. And where I want to start off is where the NBA left or stopped, which is the NBA Finals. Right, so obviously, as you all know, Warriors won in six. They beat the Boston Celtics. It was, you know, in my opinion, a great finals. I really enjoyed watching it. And not from a Warriors fan point of view, but just in general as an NBA fan, I thought, you know, we had really, really great games. You know, game one was a thriller, the way the Warriors choked a lead, <laughs> or, the, or the way the Celtics fought back. And, you know, then games two, three, four were also very spectacular. You know, game five was the pivotal game, obviously tied at 2-2. You know, like I think 8% of the teams that go on to win Game 5 actually win the series. So, you know, in a 2-2 series, Game 5 is always, you know, that pivotal one. And, yeah, I was like, alright, bet, this shit, this shit cool. Also, you know, obviously Curry's Game 4 performance, like, they could have gone down 3-1, but, you know, he stepped up, dropped 43. Game 5 was a bit quieter, but, you know, we had Andrew Wiggins stepping up and, you know, bringing it home and basically where I want to take this is 
the way I see it, there are two main points or two main narratives that have come out of this whole finals thing. The first narrative is regarding Curry and where he ranks all time. And the second narrative is whether or not Jason Tatum is that guy and how the Boston Celtics should handle him and Jalen Brown moving forward. So, right now I'm just going to start with the first one, the first narrative regarding Steph Curry. Where does he rank all time? I think I might... I think I should have said this in the introduction, but I'm not really a fan of all-time rankings. I think they're a bit superfluous, they're very subjective, and the thing of all-time rankings is that in order to do an all-time ranking, you have to compare different errors. And that is where I have a very big problem. Because you can't really acknowledge the way the game has changed, the way it was played back then, the way it's played now, you know, the different players in the league. You can't acknowledge that all to the same or to a great level or to the level that it should be acknowledged. Because, you know, that's just something that's practically impossible, right? And the way I see it, like, if you look at, let's say, the 1960s, right? Back in the day when they had so-called plumbers and janitors. Um, let's say back in 1960, you were, like, the best player in the league. Put that same player in the league today, and, like, he'd be, like, what, top 50? Like, the league is as skilled as it's ever been, and that's just... That's a natural cause. That's the natural order. Players become more skilled because you have to be more skilled than the previous generation to set yourself apart. So now, you have a league where there's never been as much skill at one certain point in time in the league as it is right now. But then when it comes to ranking players all time, I think you have to account for the level of competition they played against and how much better they were than the rest. Because if you just compare the players like bar for bar, pound for pound, then more often than not, current players are going to be the better player to say, because they ha- just have to be more skilled, right? Um, but what I think you have to take into consideration is just how much better the player is compared to his own competition. Like how far ahead is he of his own peers, right? So how far ahead was Wilt Chamberlain um, in regards to his peers, to, his, to the different players that he played against, played with? How far ahead was Magic Johnson? How far ahead was Michael Jordan? How far ahead is LeBron James or was LeBron James, right? That's the way I look at all-time rankings. And in order to do that, you would have had to have watched or you need to know basically every single error you're talking about. You can't look at stats or solely at stats, you know, like box score and all that stuff, because they don't tell the full picture, right? And most NBA fans aren't old enough to have watched every single player in order to do a full, somewhat objective all-time ranking. I am definitely not old enough for that. Right, I haven't watched the NBA long enough for that. 
Yeah, you can go you can go back and just look at how you know Magic Johnson dominated the point guard position, how Michael Jordan was like this great player, how Tracy McGrady was a great scorer, Kobe and Shaq, Yao Ming, Dirk, all that stuff, all these players, right? I can look them up, I can go back and watch the film. But watching film and actually watching the games there's a huge difference in my opinion because if I go back and watch like let's say 2016 Steph Curry highlights yeah there's a different feeling to it than watching Steph Curry in 2016 live like back in 2016 Steph Curry was like he was on another planet alright unanimous MVP for a reason 73 and 9 and all that great stuff like the regular season that was just spectacular but now, if I go back and watch the highlights, they're still great, don't get me wrong. But it just feels somewhat like, eh, like, no, it, it, it doesn't have the same sense of awesomeness that it used to. And I don't know if that's just me, but I think that is, like, a lot of NBA fans have that feeling or I have that sense of, oh, this kind of lacks a comparison when... They go back and watch all the tapes or all the, you know, films. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that just might be some truth to it. Because I feel it. So then, if I have that sense, if I have that sense of, oh, um, right, if I go back, you know, it, it doesn't look as good or it doesn't look as great, then... I can't possibly go back and try and compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James just solely based on film. Because I already, going back, I feel like, yeah, you know, Michael Jordan, like, sure, his, his dunks are good, you know, his handles are okay, his finishing is great. But watching it through the camera or, like, through YouTube or whatever platform you use to watch your basketball clips, there's this sense of... I don't know how, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't, I don't get the word, but it's so hard to put into words, right? And you know, the counter argument could be that, oh, you've got recency bias, you know, recency bias, recency bias. And yeah, there might be some truth to that, but I think I do quite well to not get caught into recency bias because I try and look at all the things from a different angle, right? Like, or in different angles. I look at them like, okay, this is from that perspective, from that perspective. And then I'll try to come to the most reasonable and sensible conclusion. <clears throat> yeah, so um, back to the Curry all-time ranking discussion. I don't know where to rank him all-time. Like, I've heard that he's pretty much a top 12 uh, player of all time. Some say he's even top 10. Um, I don't really care for that. Like, I couldn't care less whether or not Curry is top 12, top 15, top 30, right? Because, like I said, most people I know when doing all-time rankings don't take into consideration how far ahead he was of his peers. They just look at the skill set, right? And with that being said, then probably current players like the Kyrie Irving, the Damian Lillard, the Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, 
Joel Embiid, LeBron, Kevin Durant, like those guys would probably be like I don't know, top forty players of all time right now, or top thirty even. And maybe they are top thirty players of all time. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're not, but you know, those all-time rankings just favor current players more. Yeah. So there's that Curry thing. You know, heck, if you got on top, cool, cool. You know, be my guest, enjoy it. But I'm not gonna indulge in those rankings. And now moving on to a topic that I can actually discuss. Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right so in the finals I'm gonna put it out there Jalen Brown was the best player point blank Jalen Brown has been getting disrespected for far too long now honestly I don't know why it's because it's probably because he's quiet you know doesn't isn't as talkative but shit the guy is a baller the guy is a hooper I genuinely believe if you give Jalen Brown the same amount of touches and opportunity as Jason Tatum he would perform probably 90 95% of the capacity that Jason Tatum does I think they're that close like I don't really think that Jason Tatum's head and shoulders above Jalen Brown but it's just come to the point where the Boston Celtics organization has said that all right Tatum, you're the franchise guy. You know, he is a bit more marketable though. Like, I'll, I'll give him that, right? Maybe that plays a role. I don't really know. Because, you know, politics do play a role in the NBA. But, you know, they said, all right, Tatum, you're the guy. Tatum Brown, you're the second guy. And I think that might come to bite the Celtics in the butt. Because right now, you have the situation where Jason Tatum underperformed drastically, right? He didn't have a good series. Jalen Brown outplayed him. And yeah, that was in part due to him not getting the attention that Tatum got. So, you know, therefore he was a bit more open to get his stuff going, right? But in a lot of the games, Jalen Brown was the reason they were still in them, right? Like, especially in the second and third quarter that Jalen Brown would just come out, guns blazing, going on the personal run, and all of a sudden the lead you know, has been cut down to like six or it's, it's, it's an eight-point game. Instead of it being a 15-point game. Um, so, with that, you know, with, with Jalen Brown having outplayed Jason Tatum, do you think that, right, you know, they're just going to run it back? Maybe they're going to have, you know, they're going to tweak some things, get a new point guard, uh, which they did, and Malcolm Brogdon, right? Or I don't know if he's going to play the two, but I believe Malcolm Brogdon is probably going to play the one for the Celtics, and Smart's going to be the full-time shooting guard. Regardless, you know, now it's the offseason, all of a sudden KD's on the trade market, and now you're saying, oh, we might trade Jalen Brown. Like, if I'm Jalen Brown, I, I feel some type of way, because, dude, I just outplayed our so-called best player, right? And you're thinking of trading me, not him, me. Like, I have been consistent every single year in the playoffs. In the regular season, I've put up my numbers. Yeah, they're not the 26, 5, and 6 of Jason Tatum, right? But 24, 4, and 4 is pretty that close. You know, given also more efficient buckets than Jason Tatum does. So, 
you know, like I said, I feel some type of way if I'm Jalen Brown and all of a sudden uh, I'm in trade rumors. Like, the fuck are you guys doing? You've tried to trade me once. Like, I've been in trade rumors once before. And again, now, like, as if that wasn't enough, I didn't even get a max contract extension when I was up for one. You just gave me a 20 mil a year contract. Alright? And my counterpart, Jason Tatum, got a max. Like, Okay, he might be a better player than me, but is he that much better? Is he that much better that he gets a Supermax? Is he that much better that he's never been in trade rumors? Is he that much better that when it, you know, comes up of, alright, we need to separate you two, I'm always the one that needs to be traded. Like, come on guys, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Am I, am I that invaluable to you guys? Because if I am, shit, I'm packing my bags, I'm requesting a trade, I'm leaving. Because you best believe I can go out there and hoop for another team. I know I can. Right? So, if I'm the Boston Celtics organization, the way I see it is now, look, we're on thin ice here right now. Anything we say that's going to push him over the edge, we'll push him over the edge. Like, he could come out here and request a trade any day of the week. Because he's been slighted for far too long now. I don't know how the Boston Celtics work their things out internally, but from an outsider's perspective, I feel like Jalen Brown has really been disrespected, you know? And I don't, I think that they're just gonna have to sugarcoat everything they say from this point going on. They're just gonna have to come out here and say that, no, we're not trading Jalen Brown. He's a valuable asset, you know, a great player, a great teammate, all that good stuff, right? The shit that they always say in order to, you know, keep their players basically. And then you're gonna have to like have a talk about who is the number one option going forward. Because up until now you've tried it with both guys being a number one option, it didn't work out. You tried it with Jason Tatum being a number one option and you reached the finals but ultimately you failed. And he didn't have a great series. So why not try it with Jalen Brown being the number one option now. Like, I, it might be a bit of a, you know, a hard, a difficult change for Jason Tatum to make. Like, you know, him having been that number one option for so long and now all of a sudden falling to a two guy um, because of a, a teammate that he knows. Not a free agent that came from a different team. Not like some KD and Steph type of shit. Not like LeBron and Wade type of shit. Not AD and LeBron type of shit. No, 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 no. That's almost as if, like, I don't know, Dwayne Wade was like, bro, I'm number one option. And that is also a similarity I've seen. And the 2011 Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics right now. Because LeBron and Wade, they didn't know who that one was in 2011. They ultimately failed. But from that point on, there was like, LeBron, you're the guy. Bring us to the promised land, take us home, cool. And I think the Boston Celtics are in a similar situation. Like, they have, like, they've established the fact that Jason Tatum is the number one option. I believe so. But it hasn't been that clear cut yet. And I think they need to, like, specifically or drastically, you know, showcase that. Like, bro, Tatum. Is that guy, Brown, you're the second guy. But the way I see it, because Tatum and Brown are that close to each other, it's more of a 1A, 1B type of shit. And I don't really know if that's going to work. 
you need the clear cut one and the clear cut two. And I don't know if that means you need to trade them or if one of the guys is going to take a backseat. And, you know, up until now, it's always been Brown that took the backseat. But, hey, maybe if he, you know, put in, puts in the work in the offseason, he might come out next season and be the number one option. And that may be because, you know, he's just improved that much, but also because the Celtics need to try their best to keep him. Like, I don't know if it would be a great thing to have, you know, the chat in the offseason and then tell him that, bro, from now going on, you are the official number two option. You are behind Jason Tatum. I don't know if that's going to go significantly well. I really doubt it. Like, not after him getting slighted as much as, as he has been. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, it was really interesting to see how the Boston Celtics cope with, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, you know, the roster probably just running it back with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. And, you know, I see them winning the championship within, like, the next two or three years because they're just that talented. But eventually, eventually, money is going to catch up to them because right now most of these guys are on like rookie extensions none of them have actually signed uh, like a big big contract um and you know once that hits them like apart from smart i believe like the core of rob grant williams jason tatum Daniel brown marcus smart and al horford like, al horford is the vet obviously and you know he signed his contract but i think the other four guys, with maybe an exception to Marcus Smart, are still on like rookie big extensions, but not on full time, on like actual vet contracts. Yeah, so I think you know money is gonna catch up to them eventually, so they you know, should try and get it done within like the next two or three years before they have to re-sign players and then all of a sudden you have issues with the salary cap and might not want to go into luxury tax and all that stuff but yeah um so another topic i want to talk about is the trade world um, you know Rudy Gobert getting traded Kevin Durant requesting a trade Dejounte Murray also getting traded so the Rudy Gobert trade the way i see it basically broke the way trades are going to function from now on because a guy like Rudy Gobert going for five first round picks, right? Unprotected, mind you. Patrick Beverly, I think Jarrett Vanderbilt, and Jarrett Culver, I believe. That's a lot. That is really a lot for a guy like Rudy Gobert. And I'm not saying Rudy Gobert is a snub or anything. Like, heck, he's an old star, three time DPOY. The guy can ball, obviously. He's, he's your defense. Like the way Curry is the offensive system, Rudy Gobert is the defensive system. And, you know, he's proven to be an impactful player. But basically, two seasons in a row now, or two playoffs in a row now, we've seen him, you know, get played off the court because he can't play outside of the paint, like defend outside of the paint. The minute you stretch him, you know, it's almost barbecue chick. And, you know, with him going for as much as he did, what does a guy like Kevin Durant go for now? Like, are you going to trade 10 first round picks, one also caliber player and another role player for Kevin Durant? Like, come on, what are we doing? 
And, you know, I don't really know if any team actually wants to trade for Kevin Durant. Like, don't get me wrong. Every team wants Kevin Durant. But this is a top five player we're talking about. But I don't really know if any team wants to give up seven first round picks plus at least two more players for Kevin Durant. Because at this moment in time, Kevin Durant is 34 years old. If you trade seven picks, seven first round picks, that's seven years gone, right? By the time Kevin Durant has left your team and most likely retired, you are going to need the latter half of your picks that you traded. Because I don't think Kevin Durant is going to leave you in a particularly good place. You know, like having given up all of that for Kevin Durant, you know, all the money you have to give him and his co-star, depending on who it is, like you're going to probably be in the lottery, but you don't have your picks. And now the question is, do you want a maybe championship for a for sure lottery that you're not even going to have your own pick? Or just going to say, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to be stuck in mediocrity, like stuck in the sixth seed, seventh seed, eighth seed, maybe ninth seed for the next couple of years and just see what free agency can bring us in the next two, three years. I don't really know. Like, let's say a guy like Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brown got traded for seven first round picks. You could say that, all right, let's say we keep Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brown for seven more years. They are probably, or they could keep us out of the lottery. More likely than not, they're going to keep us out of the lottery for like four out of these seven years. And, you know, the latter end of it, hey, we're probably going to find different players that we can, you know, accompany or put alongside them that we're not going to hit the, the lottery. And that would be just a safer bet for your future. So I don't really know if Kevin Durant is going to get traded and what he's going to get traded for. I think it's, you know, com- it's actually really difficult right now because, you know, really go bad done messed up the whole trade world because like again what does a guy like Kevin Durant go for 10 10 first round picks and two players come on you know and I actually thought before the really go bear trade I thought that right if Kevin Durant or any any significant all-star player actually he does actually does end up getting traded then hey that that's a trade that most teams are probably willing to make because you saw what happened with Kawhi like you know he got traded for one year brought him a championship and ultimately it ended up being worth it for the Toronto Raptors but you know the Raptors got lucky as well you know injuries happened to Warriors and all that stuff but that's a thing that every team has to somewhat account for injuries you know you have to pray that you know, hey, I don't want my team. Uh, I don't want the enemy team to get injured, but I just want you know to have the, the best path possible to the finals or and even in the finals, right? Um, but now with Kevin Durant on the free agency market and him still having four years left on his contract or three years left, I believe, it's a bit of a sticky situation because he's gonna play regardless. Can't say, hey, I'm not playing this shit. Um. 
But you know what? He can. Like, we've seen it with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has got four year left on his contract. He's saying, I'm not playing. Right? What are you going to do? If the guy says he's not playing, he's not playing. But um, he doesn't have as much leverage as someone with one year deal would. So, you've got three years. And, you know, eventually you're going to play, I believe. But can you get a championship in those three years? With the way the league is shaping, right? You still got. Let's say the old heads in LeBron, Steph, Kawhi, and Harden, you know, still trying to get a championship. And you've got young and up and coming teams, as in the Mavs, the Nuggets, Trey Young and his team, Boston Celtics. You still got, you know, this is not an up and coming team, but man, he is still in the mix. He's on the Sixers with Harden, still in the mix, and they're going to the Phoenix Suns, you know, still maybe trying to get a championship depending on how CP3 ends up being next year. And it's just going to be, you know, not a guaranteed chip, you know, and it's not even going to be a guaranteed road to the finals because in the West, you've got Steph, LeBron, Luka, Jokic, you know, Kawhi, Paul George. You've got those guys that are waiting for you. In the East, you've got Giannis, Tatum and Brown, Harden and Embiid, Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat. You've got teams. You've got the Atlanta Hawks. Heck, whatever the Knicks end up doing shit. I'm not sorry, the Knicks ain't gonna do shit. But, you know, you've got teams out here that are actually legit. That are legit, legit. Yeah? Like, some are older, but a bunch of teams I just listed are young teams as well. So, that's high restraint with a high reward, right? You know, a championship is the highest reward you can get in the NBA, but ultimately, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't really know. I don't think, honestly, I don't think it is. You're giving up your entire future for 65%, for 65% shot at a championship. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. But yeah, you know, that's the Kevin Durant thing. And you know what messes with me? Rudy Gobert went for five first round picks and two players, I believe, three players even. Paul George, in 2018, when he got traded to the Clippers, went for five first round picks and then Nilo Gallinari. Let that sink in. Paul George got traded to the Clippers for pretty much the same package as Rudy Gobert got traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Paul George in 2018 was an MVP candidate, top three. That was MVPG year. MVPG. And you say, what? Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a sticky one. Um, oh, was it 2018? No, I believe it was 2019, wasn't it? Because the first year that Paul George and Kawhi played with the Clippers was in the bubble where they choked 3 1 to the Nuggets. So the 1920 season, yeah, I said the trade in 2019. Yeah, my bad. My bad, I'm sorry for that one. Yeah, so I don't know, these trades, I'm just, I'm just, you know, waiting to see what Kevin Durant ends up getting traded for, if he even does get traded. Because, hey, the Brooklyn Nets, they got a decent team. It's okay, I believe. Like, they could end up, you know, making a bit of noise. 
probably not winning championship, but you know, noise is noise, right? Yeah. So that is basically it for today. I don't have anything to talk about anymore. I was just, you know, trying to go from NBA, like the minute NBA cut off to the off season, and you know, basically doing a recap, give my opinion on things, you know, on Brown and all that stuff. So yeah. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to leave a like, you know, especially these growing channels, new channels need all the likes they can get, all the support they can get. And comment down below what you think, you know, whether my opinions are trash, whether, you know, do you agree, you disagree, what you have to say on things like, you know, Curry all-time rankings, Peyton Brown, KD, Rudy Gobert, whatever it may be, right? And if you want me to talk about any specific thing, if you want to know my opinion on any specific thing for the next podcast that should come out next week, then... You know, also, you want to comment down below and I will try to get in the podcast. I probably will because shit, I don't expect many comments anyways. So, yeah. Again, thank you for listening. This was BC Mike and see you guys in the next one.